Welcome to the Good Fight Radio Show, a program dedicated to bringing you vital and uncompromised truths that you won't hear in the mainstream media, discussing contemporary issues in light of the Bible and how these issues relate to family, culture, and the church. The heart of this show is to glorify Jesus Christ and expose the works of darkness as he is commanded in Ephesians 5.11. Now here's your host, Good Fight Ministries' own Chad Davidson. Welcome back to the Good Fight Radio Show. I'm your host, Chad Davidson of Good Fight Ministries. And with me, as always, is the president and founder of Good Fight Ministries and pastor of Blessed Hope Chapel in Simi Valley, California, Pastor Joe Schimmel. How are we doing today? I'm doing just awesome in Jesus. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Glad to have you back for the whole week. And also with us, Not as always. Not just my always, back. You have my legs, my arms, everything. <laughs> yes, yes, we do. All right, Tony. Must be appreciated. We also have the show's producer, Tony Palacio. How are you doing today, bro? Uh, praising God. God hey, is good. Amen. Yes. And as I said, it is nice to have Joe back for a full four shows for the Good Fight Radio show this week. He'll also be preaching this Sunday at Blessed Hope Chapel. So make sure you guys that are involved with Good Fight Ministries, that you guys are, are clicking and subscribing to the Good Fight Radio show on YouTube or Podbean or, or you know any sort of podcast, wherever it's found. It's awesome, but also stay connected with us at Blessed Hope Chapel because you're getting, you get half hour teachings at a time here, but then on Sundays, and Wednesdays, deep dives into the scripture at Blessed Hope Chapel. So we, we, we're, we're not shy about letting you guys know where you guys could talk with us and, and meet with us also on Sundays. So really, really excited about that. And I want to thank, once again, our Patreon subscribers. And uh, you guys are, are awesome. It's a blessing. And all you guys that are sharing all these teachings, I think, are a blessing. And this one specifically is is a topic that comes up a lot, but I think this is a different angle that we usually get it in. But it's not something that is uncommon to questions that are sent to us, accusations that are sent. Uh, also, and, and guys, the, it's really interesting because when it comes to this argumentation or this polemic against Christianity, I think this one comes from the secularists, the atheists. It also comes from the Judaizers yeah. or quote unquote Hebrew Roots Movement, 119 Ministries, <laughs> you know. But uh, nonetheless, and it has to do with Jesus and Paul and whether or not Paul contradicts Jesus about keeping the law. And now this is. A, a, I think of our time right now, it is so important to talk about this because there is the pendulum swing on both sides. As we were talking about pre-production, there is this giant pendulum swing that happens when it comes to keeping the law and also to the antinomian, which would be one without the law, that there's no law whatsoever and it's almost like a, a free grace yeah, situation. Yeah, two, two extremes. Yeah. So we don't want to get on either side of that. We want to be on the side of Jesus, who's also on the side of Paul, who are all on the side of Scripture. So with all that, Joe, does Paul contradict Jesus about keeping the law? Yeah, and, you know, so, yeah, Chad's talking about probably 119 Ministries would be They'd not be saying what we're saying. Yeah, yeah. yeah, they probably wouldn't say that, uh, no, that's a good you point. know, they contradict each other. But uh, in fact, they wouldn't. They'd say both taught you yeah. have to keep the Amen. law of Moses. One hundred percent. So they would. They're contradicting Jesus and Paul actually and stating that. Uh, so you know, you'll get critics, you know, saying that, hey, yeah, Jesus and Paul were actually at odds with each other. Jesus said you had to keep the law of Moses. The Apostle Paul said you didn't. And you know, there'll be those who profess to be Christians who will say that Paul was a false teacher. They'll yeah. just flat out say, hey, Paul was a false teacher, and there's all kinds of stuff on the internet of that he was. You know, well, that's funny because Peter called his 
word scripture. Yeah. He's writing scripture in Second uh, Peter chapter 3. So you get to throw it. Second Peter. Yeah, and I think also people will minimize the words of Paul as if they're less than when it comes to the scriptures. And that's something that we covered on Red Letter Christians. Red, yeah, Red Letter Christians. And we also covered it on our Beth Moore is Dangerous. I think that's probably, if there was anything that probably put herself right into that really danger category. She's even more dangerous since the inauguration, right? Yeah, that's right. Live tweeting all her support for some of Joe Biden's statements and also Lady Gaga's outfits and whatnot. She loved that he was for all Americans except those that were aborted. Amen. She didn't mention yeah. the aborted babies. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, you don't want to mention those because yeah, their their blood uh, was staining those flags that were on the ground because those flags that were on the ground there for the inauguration more specifically they're donated for the people that paid for those flags to be out there. The money went to Planned Parenthood to murder babies. Wicked man. And so pretty pretty disgusting. Their blood cries out. 60 million plus. Amen. So with all of that, let's get right into it. Does, does How does Paul not contradict? Because you know what our position would be here. Well, yeah, we believe that Jesus and Paul both taught that, you know, uh, we're under the new covenant, not under the old covenant law. Uh, we, If anybody follows our ministry, we have a strong emphasis on holiness, mm-hmm. on separation from the wickedness of the world, living for Jesus. Uh, we don't believe in antinomianism against the law. Uh, at the same time, we don't believe we're under the law of Moses. Uh, Paul wrote about that in Galatians. He said that was a false gospel. If you're telling you you need the cross, plus you have to keep the law of Moses, just read the book of Galatians. It's all about that. Just read Hebrews. You know, it's like God's given us whole books, parts of Colossians, Philippians, and so forth. It's interesting, though, because uh, what happens here is they'll look at, you know, Jesus is dealing with the transition period. You know, when they're they're going from the old covenant to the new covenant, he's come as the, uh, the messenger of the covenant. He's come as the Mashiach, the Messiah. He's come to shed his blood and to bring a new covenant because, uh, frankly, he divorced him under the old covenant. Scripture is really clear about that. That's the law of Moses. So let's see if Paul and Jesus were in contradiction of one another in regard to that subject. By the way, if you actually believe that you have to keep the law of Moses, you can't just pick and choose. You either got to keep the law of Moses or you don't uh, because that means you have to be circumcised. Uh, you know, you have to believe in slavery for today. Uh, the Hebrew dietary laws, no pork, no shrimp, you know, uh, crimes and punishments that the law talks about, uh, warfare laws, animal sacrifices, you know, uh, feast days, ritual cleanness, uh, the Sabbath day observance, all 613 or so odd laws you, you need to be keeping. And that's very, very, very serious because the scriptures are clear. Uh, in the Old Testament, if you don't keep the law, you have to keep it all. Deuteronomy 27, 26 says, Cursed is anyone who does not uphold the words of this law by carrying them out. Then all the people shall say, Amen. Uh, Paul wrote uh, to the uh, Galatians in chapter 3, verse 10, All who rely on observing the law are under a curse, for it is written, Curse is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. Everything. James 2.10 says, For whoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend at one point, he is guilty of all. So it's very, very serious. Uh, So let's just, from the outset, understand that Paul was accepted among the other apostles. He wasn't the outlier, you know. And the apostle Paul was very, very clear uh, that he upheld and he his foundation was built on Jesus, the rock, and the apostles and prophets. Yeah, I believe that's Ephesians 2, 20-22. In 1 Timothy 6, 3, Jesus, or Paul said, If anyone teaches otherwise and does not agree to the sound instruction of our Lord Jesus Christ and a godly teaching, he goes on to say in verse 4, they're arrogant and so forth. So Paul 
was adhering to Jesus' teaching. In 1 Corinthians 14, 37, he says, If anyone thinks that they are a prophet or otherwise gifted by the Spirit, let them acknowledge that what I'm writing to you is the Lord's command. If you want to try to keep the Old Testament law to be <laughs> saved, uh, Paul makes it clear you have to keep the whole law. And he's, his teaching, he is stating very clearly, is based on the teaching of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, we know in Deuteronomy chapter 18, uh, Moses spoke of another prophet that was coming after him that would be likened unto him. There's all these parallels between Moses mm. who, who received the old covenant and then Jesus who brought the new covenant. And we don't have time to get into typology This is not there. even, this is Typology Tuesday, but this message is not <laughs> ah, Typology Tuesday. And Lord Tuesday. help us not to veer off into typologies, <laughs> but Moses is this beautiful picture Amen. of Jesus. But uh, he said, the Lord will raise up a prophet like me from among your brothers. You must listen to him. Of course, uh, Muslims say, that was Muhammad. Uh, you know, <laughs> absolutely ridiculous uh especially when the new testament which was written oh about six seven hundred years before muhammad states in acts chapter 3 verse 22 for moses said the lord your god will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your people you must listen to everything he tells you and luke identifies or i'm sorry peter there identifies him there in that context as jesus so jesus was this messenger and uh john chapter 1 verse 17 says for the law was given through moses but what? Grace and truth were realized through Jesus Christ. So the Old Testament law and prophets foretold this coming new covenant. And I remember uh, there in Jerusalem, I was with a bunch of different pastors, you know, uh, from Simi Valley. It's when, you know, a lot of different pastors, some that are gone. Francis Jam was there, different pastors that were here in Simi Valley at the time. Uh, we were sitting there listening to a Pharisee who uh, we were brought into his room into his little trinket store. Him and his brother advertised or, you know, adverted themselves as two Pharisees. And they want to explain why Jesus wasn't the Messiah. And we had a bunch of pastors and our wives there. It was a great, you know, week plus trip. And I was like, Lord, I don't think this is the best place for us to be right now. Because I don't know how strong everybody here is, you know. And I literally was in prayer. I was like, we're going to hear two people rip down in the middle of our trip why Jesus isn't Messiah. And I didn't think it was the best idea necessarily. So I literally went into intercession mode and began to pray. I found a place to sit down in the corner on a basket and just cried out to Jesus. And just then, as people squished in the room, it wasn't a very big room. I was like, wow, there's no room. Barely room to stand. And I felt bad because the lady was squishing real next, next to me. And I was like, hey, take my seat. You know, I felt bad. She should sit down. And so I found a room in the middle of the room <laughs> by this like a uh, table, kind of a big old square like countertop really with all these trinkets on it. And I just stood there and out comes this Pharisee. And instead of being in front of the counter where you go buy things at the other end of the room, he comes and stands right next to me. So, okay, Lord, you just have this amazing sense of humor here. <laughs> anyway, he went into his diatribe about why Jesus isn't Messiah. You know, in Isaiah 53, his offspring will prosper. So I, I, I was right there, I was rebutting him. I'm like, hey, that word for offspring, you know, that's the same word used later in Isaiah for uh, the offspring of serpents, you know? That, that, you know, the, the, the Jews that, you know, were yeah. not following God's law were the offspring of serpents. I go, is that literal? And he had to acknowledge, you know, uh, sheepishly that it wasn't in his expression anyway. And I said, and then uh, he, we went into, he said, we have to keep the old covenant law. And then I said, look, it says in the scripture that God divorced the Jews, divorced the Jews from the old covenant law. And he said, there's no scripture that says that anywhere, you know. And then I Oh, God, I got to appeal to someone. Somebody bring me their Bible, Jeremiah 31. 
which says this. And by the way, after this was uh, went to, he just said, well, let me read the scripture first. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Because in Jeremiah 3, he says, I give you a writing of divorce, you know? And he's talking about how they'll no longer talk about where is, you know, the Ark of the Covenant, the Ark of the Covenant, that old law. He's divorcing them under that first covenant. And he says, I'll make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. Not like, now this is very important, not like the covenant which I made with their fathers in the day I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. That's where they received the law of Moses, Ten Commandments, and so forth. My covenant which they broke, though I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. And this is, by the way, quoted in Hebrews 8, the New Testament, Hebrews 10, and Hebrews talks about how in 8, there's a change in the law, yeah. uh, and that we have a new law now. Better covenant. A, a better covenant. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he actually says in chapter 7, it's a better yeah. covenant. Hebrews 8 says it's a change in the covenants. So what happens when Jesus comes on the scene? What's he do at the Last Supper? On the night he was betrayed, Jesus took the cup and said to his disciples, drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. And it talks about Jeremiah 31 that it would be either God would forgive their sins in the new covenant, and so forth, and write his law, which is the law of Christ, as we'll see, on their hearts, you know, a new law. So uh, he came to inaugurate a better covenant. That's actually chapter 7, verse 22 of Hebrews. And guess what? Jesus. John chapter 1, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Uh, the Gospels are full of the fact that Jesus brought a new covenant, a new law, a new contract, if you will. And by the way, when I studied that scripture, he denied this Pharisee. We just got started. He's talking for 20 minutes, you know? And right after I read that, or cited that, and we talked about that and proved it was there, he said, okay, our time is up. <laughs> and, I bet it uh, is. And we filed out there, and, and every. People were very excited about God's word prevails, you know? Amen. And it was a beautiful time. I went back there like two minutes later after everybody filed out. And I pleaded with him based on typology and showed him Jesus through Joseph and how Joseph was rejected by his brethren just as you're rejecting him now. But he fed the world the bread just as Jesus gave the Gentiles the bread. But then the, his brother's eyes were open subsequently. Oh, no, here we get into typology, right? <laughs> his brother's eyes were open when they were starving at the end. And so too all Israel shall be saved. But I said, but you need to turn now, you know? He just listened. It was great. And left after a few minutes because I realized I would, had overstayed my welcome. <laughs> but praise the Lord. Anyway, guys, it's so clear when you go to the scriptures that we have this new covenant that was made uh, by Jesus, and it replaces the old covenant, the old covenant of the law. By the way, some will say, well, where did Jesus actually change anything that was written in the law, law of Moses? And you give them examples, they'll say, oh, that was just traditions of the elders, Oh, that was just interpretation he's overthrowing. Oh, you know, on and on. I go, no, there's clear places where Jesus is actually changing, just like it says in Hebrews, changing the law, giving us a different law. And a really good example is they were commanded, they were commanded in the scripture to swear oaths under the Mosaic law. Oh, yeah. They're called the swear oaths over and over again. Deuteronomy 6.13, Moses would give these commands regarding the oaths, right? Check this out. Quote, thou shalt fear the Lord thy God, and serve him, and shout, swear by his name. You're supposed to swear by his name, he says. Deuteronomy 10, 20. You are to fear the Lord your God and serve him. Hold fast to him and take your oaths in his name. Over and over again. Now, it's interesting because 
in, Jer- in Deuteronomy chapter 27, I think also in 31, when he reads some of the law of Moses to them and asks them if they're going to keep it, they make an oath that they're going to keep it. Yeah. And right there, they slit their throats. I mean, their intentions were, yeah, we want to keep the law. We're going to try, just like Paul, you know, the things I want to do, you're going to do. They try to keep it and they fell right after that. You know, he goes on to talk about, you're going to turn to other gods. And it's a prophecy about how they're going to worship idols and everything. Right after that, through Moses, God says, you're going to blow it big time. And guess what? The law is holy and good, Paul says in Romans. It's a blessing. It's God's, it reflects his holy character. There's no sin in the law. There's nothing, even the law. Paul says the law is not sinful. It's us. Yeah. When our sinful nature comes up against his law, we feel miserably. It shows us that we need grace. It's a, it's a tutor, a pedagogue that teaches us that we need to cry out for God's grace and be under the conviction of sin and, and recognize how sinful we are and how much we need uh, Jesus and what he did on the cross for us. So it's very interesting that the law of Moses was saying, you got to swear your, you swear your oath in his name. But Jesus clearly stated, don't do that anymore. Don't tell me he's not changing the law. It's very clear in scripture. Matthew 5, 33. Again, Jesus says, you have heard that it was said to the people long ago, do not break your oath, but fulfill it to the Lord. The vows you have made, that's also in Ecclesiastes, by the way. But I tell you, do not swear an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is God's throne, or by the earth, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not swear by your head, for you cannot make even one hair white or black. All you need to say is simple, is simply yes or no. King James, like yes, be yes, or yay, be yay. Your nay be nay or no be no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. By the way, James chapter James, 5. James, yeah. James says, says the same it too. thing. That's right. So here we have really clear teaching that Jesus was actually bringing a different law. Oh, the morality of the law, thou shalt not murder, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not commit adultery. Those are laws that never change. Those are laws that were laws before the law of Moses came. It was wrong to commit adultery. It was wrong to steal. It was wrong to murder. Those are laws that are written in our hearts. Gentiles have those laws written on their hearts before they ever see the law of Moses. They were in code of, there's certain things that never change because it's God's moral law. But uh, we're, we're called to be follow, follow his moral law as part of the law of Christ in the New Testament. Not because it's part of the Old Testament law, because we're not under the Old Testament law. In fact, it's interesting, contrary to the dietary laws of the, uh, of the Old Testament, Jesus and Paul were on the same page as well. So, I mean, Paul said in 1 Corinthians 10, 25, eat anything sold in the market without raising questions of conscience. For the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. Now that's... You're telling me the pagans there weren't weren't kosher? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. No, Chad, you make a really good point. Elaborate on that point. Yeah, because the markets there that he would have been writing to in that scenario were pagan markets. Yeah. And so... One of the things he says even in that letter is that just to to leave this world, you'd have to leave this world to get away from all the wickedness, right? Yeah. And the fact is, is that they would walk down those markets and you wouldn't be able to buy those things otherwise. The Jews, yeah. The Jews. And so now he's saying, no, 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 under the new covenant, because I'm sure you're going to quote Jesus, explains it even better, I think, uh, as well. And and we're explained by the uh, gospel writer what Jesus meant when he said a certain statement I'm sure you're going to read in here. No, that, no, that's very important what you're saying yeah. there because I'm surprised you said. I was not surprised you said it, but it's just I'm glad you did say that because to go into a even go into a pagan market, you know, and buy meat as a Jew would be like an abomination. Yeah. Because they weren't kosher, they weren't following the Jewish regulations, they weren't, uh, you know, cleaning their knives after they ki- killed something that was unclean and then used to kill a clean animal or what have you. 
uh, and most of their food would have been unclean, you know. And that would have just been such an abomination. But Paul says, eat anything sold to you in the meat market, anything, <laughs> you know, I mean, pork, shrimp, crawdad, whatever, uh, octopus, all these unclean things that were unclean under Jewish law, ra- uh, without raising questions of conscience, for the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. And that reminds me when he uses the term everything, you know, and the earth is the Lord's. Remember 1 Timothy 4.1, Paul says, and I didn't, don't have this written down, but in 1 Timothy 4.1, where he says the Spirit speaks explicitly, the latter times, some mm-hmm. of the part from the faith, giving he seducing spirits and doctrines of demons. Do you remember what those doctrines of demons are? Yeah, one of them is they forbid marriage and foods. Forbidding marriage, yeah. that's right. And forbidding foods, yeah. you know, that are given to be eaten, and he's given everything he says to be eaten there, and he says, and it's sanctified through prayer and thanksgiving. Amen. So that's it's amazing. And then in Romans 14, 20, Paul says, all food is clean. Romans 14, 14, Paul states, I know and am persuaded by the Lord Jesus that there is nothing unclean of itself, but to him that esteems anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. Now, we've already established that Paul said what his teaching was based on the teaching of the Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah. And Chad, you alluded to Jesus even reference or Jesus speaking to this issue. Uh, we don't take the time to, too much time to get into it here because we want to move on a little bit. But uh, in Mark chapter 7, uh, his disciples were being upbraided because they didn't wash their hands when they ate some stalks of, uh, from the corn without washing their hands and following the Jewish regulations. And we might say, well, that wasn't stipulated by the law. Well, the Pharisees had all these laws that were added on to the law, but Jesus, in one fair swipe, showed that he was advancing the idea that there was a new covenant, a new law coming. And when he told, he says in Mark seven nineteen, for it doesn't, uh, for it doesn't go into their heart, but into their mouth when they eat. He says, it's, you know, what goes in the mouth doesn't defile the man, but what comes out of the heart he defiles the man. Then it says, for it doesn't go into their heart, but in their stomach, and then out of their body. Now, somebody might say, well, that doesn't make it clear that, you know, he's making all foods clean there. Oh, yeah, it does. Read the rest of the verse. In saying this, Jesus declared all foods clean. It's very clear. That's there in Mark chapter 7, verse 19. And there's so many realities that Jesus taught. I mean, Jesus kept getting, it says he broke the Sabbath, you know. And uh, for which of these, and that word broke is kind of interesting. The Greek Greek word, it can mean uh, loose the Sabbath. No, I just think it's really interesting when we think of who's writing that account as well of Jesus, because he's the one who adds that commentary into it. Now, just picturing that, and I I don't know where you're going with this, but I think of Peter, because Mark's account, I think through everybody when we learn learn through church antiquity, everyone's account is that Mark is Mark's is Peter's gospel, right? That Mark wrote according to Peter. And then we have this commentary on this text, Peter who Jesus had to come to him in a dream and correct him in a dream multiple times before he would kill and eat. Uh, right, totally kill and yeah. eat the so-called unclean food, right? And this is Mark's gospel, which most people would agree has is Peter's gospel, according to Mark, you know, somewhat. You know? Right. Oh, but it said, oh, but Chadson would say to you, but that's just Jesus, you know, teaching Peter that the Gentiles could be saved. Yeah, but what's the illustration that he uses? <laughs> yeah. That these meats had, that were once unclean had become cleansed. You know, what's harder to clean, meat or people? Amen. People, you know. And, it's, yeah, that's that's a good point. And also, since you bring up Peter. I'm glad you answered that, too, because that is something that we get a lot, too, when, when that is used. So, yeah, yeah that's really important yeah, distinction. And, and it's yeah. not that Peter's the outlier. No, Peter makes it very clear in uh, Acts chapter 15, when they have the, that church council, that they're not to put the, the Gentiles under the Jewish laws, that they couldn't bear, their their fathers couldn't bear that yoke, and we're not put on others. Also, keep in mind, who did Paul 
rebuke in the book of Galatians. Oh, well, yeah, Paul rebukes Peter for not and, wanting to sit with and, the Jews. Yeah, over what? <laughs> not to sit with the Gentiles in front of the Jews. Over what? Dietary laws. Dietary laws, yeah. <laughs> right. Amen. And then Peter, <laughs> he calls later, he calls Paul's writing the scripture, which would include Galatians. Amen. And, and we realize that Peter accepted that correction. So there's that transition period, you know, so it's important to understand that. And no, I'm glad we're getting off into some areas because it brings a lot of clarification. And, and even our rest, you know, Paul talked about how, you know, Jesus is our rest. He is our Sabbath. Let no one judge you, he said, according to Colossians uh, chapter, what is it, 2, 16, uh, yeah. according to the Sabbath day, because these were pictures or typologies, but the reality is found in Christ because he's yeah. our rest. The substance for the shadow, yeah. That's right. And then, so it's kind of interesting, too, when you look at that, because Jesus said, what was it, Matthew 11, I believe, verse 28, Come to me, all of you who are weary and heavily burdened, and I will give you rest, you know. He said, learn of me, he said, because he's, he said that, you know, he's, he's humble, you know, uh, meek, you know. And that means that he's humbled himself, at, even though he's God, to teach us and so forth. And then he says it again, come to me, all of you who are, uh, and I'll give you rest, he says. This time he says, for your souls spiritual rest. Mm -hmm. They had all these burdens on themselves, and uh, they found that the rest was in Jesus. So Jesus is our Sabbath. And mm -hmm. if you're, if, if a Sabbath keeper that says you got to keep the Saturday Sabbath, you know, and we could get into that another time. We've been into it before. It's so clear. The early church fathers, you know, are clear on that too, the early, the New Testament. But you let them know, oh, I keep the Sabbath. Oh, yours, you keep Saturday? Say, no, I keep every day, man. Amen. Jesus is my Sabbath, Hebrews man. 4. Yep. He, amen. We've entered into the rest. Come to me, all you're weary, heavily burdened. I will give you rest. He gives. I'm at rest. I don't have to work to attain my salvation. I have to trust the one who said it is finished, paid in full, you know, and is seated at the right hand of the Father. The priest could sit down. They're always working. There was no seats in the temple or the tabernacle. There's a seat at the right hand of the Father. Jesus is sitting there because he has finished it, and they're finally have to keep that 613 laws. But guess what? That doesn't mean we're lawless. Because Jesus said, unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you will by no means enter the kingdom of God. So wait a minute. It's like, whoa, wait a minute. These guys, they're just doing everything they can to keep the law of Moses. Yeah, and they're failing big time. But our righteousness is twofold more supreme than that of the scribes and Pharisees. How so? First and foremost, because it's not our righteousness. It's Christ's righteousness that we're clothed in. Amen. Paul said that I would not be found in my own righteousness but in the righteousness that comes through faith in Christ. Christ. We are clothed in his wedding garments, amen? Like the guy that was thrown out of the wedding because he didn't put on the wedding garment. We're clothed in the, in the, wedding, the righteousness of Christ. The Bible says our garments are like filthy rags before the Lord, amen? But the Bible calls his garments the garments of salvation. So first and foremost, our righteousness exceeds the Pharisees' righteousness, the scribes, because they don't have any real righteousness outside of Christ. We're clothed with pure righteousness because through faith in Christ, our sins have been forgiven. They've been blotted away, cast as far as the east is from the west. But we also have a righteousness that is wrought by the work of the Holy Spirit in our souls. That God, through the work of sanctification and, and, and perfecting us and the work of the Holy Spirit, we have a righteousness that comes from the indwelling Spirit who encourages us to adhere to God's word, who strengthens us, enables us, empowers us. And also, we have a more supreme law. We have the law of Christ. Galatians chapter 6, Paul says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. We have the New Testament law, the law of Christ's love. Uh, love one another as I've loved you. He's given us a new law and the New Testament teaching is based, is, is an expression of the full law of Christ. 1 Corinthians 9, 20 and 21, listen to this folks, because we're not without the law. We're not antinomies. We have the law of Christ, which is called a better law, Hebrews 7, 22. The scriptures say in 
1 Corinthians 9, when Paul's talking about witnessing to different people, now he becomes all things to all people. To those under the law, I became like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law. What's Paul saying? To the Jews, I became like a Jew, like I'm under the law, but I'm not under the law. So you're not under the law? Well, not under the Jewish law, so as to win those under the law. To those who do not have the law, the Gentiles, I became like one not having the law, though I am not free from God's law, but I am under Christ's law, so that I might win those having the law. So he makes it clear, I'm not really under the Jewish law, but I really am under what? The, the law, law of Christ, Christ which Amen. is the New Testament, New Covenant law. Jesus and Paul agree. Paul calls it the law of Christ. Jesus called it the New Covenant. Paul so speaks of it as a New Covenant in 1 Corinthians 11. We love you guys. Press on in Jesus. Stick to Jesus and Paul and all the writers of Scripture. Amen. You've been listening to the Good Fight Radio Show brought to you by Good Fight Ministries. If you're blessed by this show and would like to partner with us, please consider visiting our Patreon page at patreon.com goodfight. Or you can write to us at P.O. Box 2202, Simi Valley, California, 93062. Or call us toll-free at 1-866-JC-TRUTH. That's 1-866-528-7884. We hope you'll tune in next time on the Good Fight Radio Show.